Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hot Take Hot Box. Uh, I don't even know what episode number it is. We're creeping up on 60. This might actually be the 60th episode. Uh, I am joined by a very special guest, my favorite guest to have on the podcast, uh, the Dean, Derek DiMaria. Derek, how are you feeling on this uh, post-hangover Super Bowl Monday? Doing well, doing well. Uh, always a good time joining you here on the pod and just talking everything sports. Uh, absolutely. It's a uh, nice uh, nice therapy session every time I hop on here, so uh, I appreciate you for joining me. Uh, what did you make? Let's just get right into it. What did, what did you make of the Super Bowl last night? Um, I mean, I guess that's kind of a vague, vague question, but it, it, you know, it was a, it was a pretty good game. I thought entertaining and, uh, I don't, you know, I mean, there's, I, I guess there's a lot to talk about, but like, I just want to hear your initial thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I don't, the game was close. I don't know if it was really like that good of a game. Like there, a lot of like, there wasn't a lot that went on, but it was a close game, which is kind of all you can hope for in a Super Bowl when it's the only game on TV, kind of the only thing to watch and. I thought early on there was a chance we were going to get into blowout territory, and then yeah. the Bengals kind of the reined it in pretty quickly, which was good to see. Um, I mean, if I could have picked my winner, I would have liked to see Cincy win it just because the story, it's a cool story. I mean, I'm not the biggest Rams guy in the world, um, but it was cool to see Stafford get it and, and, and get it done. And I don't know. I kind of wanted it to blow up in their face the way they've just traded first-round picks for like the next 10 years, but – it yeah. paid off and it worked for him. So, um, got to give him credit there. And I mean, McVay is just, is, whether you like him or not, I'm, I'm more on the side of not the biggest fan, but the guy's a good coach. And I mean, was he 35, 36 years old? He's already been in two Super Bowls and won one. So, yep. uh, I mean, the guy can obviously coach football. So, I mean, they deserve it. Donald's a really good player. And um, they were down Robert Woods, who's their best, one of their best players all season, or, you know, when he played halfway through the season. And, and, and they still got it done, so good for them. Yeah, you know, the youngest coach in history to uh, win a Super Bowl, uh, Sean McFay, and like you say, he's already been to one, got out coached by Belichick, and then, you know, gets to redeem himself last night. I uh, A couple things I noticed, uh, Jalen Ramsey was getting cooked all night long. Um, you know, and, and that, not honestly, the T. Higgins one was not his fault because he did get face mask and all, but I didn't like the officiating either. I thought that they didn't call shit all game long, and then – Come the final drive, they called everything pot like that they possibly could, and down near the goal line, they were just giving you know, I mean I, the Cooper Cup uh, holding one, the first one where he was the linebacker was on him. I did not like that call personally. I mean it probably was, but like I said, based off what you've been calling all game long, I don't necessarily uh, agree with it. Uh, OBJ going down it was crazy to see how um, like much of a like that was a big deal. Like they were they had a tough time in the middle of that game. Um, finding other guys to throw to other than Cooper Cup because it looked like they were, you know, able to slow down Cooper Cup for the beginning of the game. And then when you have guys like uh, Ben Skoranek uh, out there running routes and basically handing interceptions to the, the other team, it, it's uh, difficult to bounce back from that. But, you know, I mean, Stafford, like you said, though, like the, what was his name, Les Snead and the boys over there and uh, the Rams have run their franchise like a Madden franchise for years now and uh, you know it, it finally paid off and it it actually worked out in their favor and, and I mean congratulations uh, it's tough for Cincinnati I kind of identified with the uh, Bengals franchise 
just uh, not being, you know, coming so close and not being there in a long time. And then, you know, I, it gave me the, the Eagles sort of vibes where they were the underdog coming out. And they just, you know, they really weren't able to get it done. And they don't really, I mean, there's not really much. You can't, if you can't pick up one yard on three straight plays, then it's just, that's just how it is sometimes, man. You just and it wasn't enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the first thought I had after the game was, wow, the Bengals, like, it could be like 20 more years before they get there again. Um, because, like, they're a good team, but, like, we can be honest, they probably shouldn't have been there. It's probably, yeah. you know, kind of like a once a magical a, miracle. Blue, blue run, kind of situation i don't see them you know it's not like they're like a roster that's loaded up where you're like oh well you know they come back next year and if they bring back the same team i mean they're good they have a good offense i don't know if their defense can can play as good as they played this year you know over time but between barrow and that receiving court and joe mixon and uzoma is really starting to play well as a tight end like they have an offense but um no the officiating it was like for the first three and three quarters of the game i thought it was awesome like yep at one point in the game, I was watching with a couple of buddies. I was like, when was the last flag? Like, I think yeah. there was only two flags the whole game. There was a false start, and there was the penalty on the guy for running on the field in his flip-flops. And Cra- craziness that that's happening in the Super Bowl, but... Yeah, like, you know, interception, touchback, and you're going to get the ball in the 20, but no, now our drive starts at the 10 because there's a guy in flip-flops and AirPods celebrating. Yeah, hitting like, the gritty in the end zone after someone yeah, come else on, made dude. it. dude. <laughs> like, have some feel. Like, those were the only two penalties, I think, for, like, majority of the game. There might have been, like, a random one here or there. And then, you know, the miss on the touchdown, which obviously when we saw the replay was an egregious miss. Um, and then the, the holding penalty on Logan Wilson, that was one of the worst calls I've ever – I mean, he leg- he legitimately didn't hold him. Like, yeah. His, he just had his, his hands hand, on him. If you watch the replay, his hands never close. So if your hands don't close, you can't physically hold something if your palms are open. And so he never held them, so he couldn't be holding. And then the like the ones that ensued in the end zone, I they were all penalties. They had to oh be yeah, called. yeah, no doubt. I don't think there's anything wrong with those. Um, and then like you said, the Bengals, I don't know what they were doing. It was second and one. They still had both timeouts. I think they should just run it there, got the first down, called timeout, and then started fresh with four downs with a chance to at least get a field goal, but they threw deep. I think that was just like a Burrow didn't have anything there, kind of just took it, threw it away kind of thing. And then they run on third and one with Pirine. They don't even give the ball to Mixon, which blows my mind. Yeah. Pirine had, had a carry in the previous two games combined. He didn't touch the ball on the ground. And you give it to him on third and one with your season on the line. He gets stuffed. And then fourth down, you go empty set against the offensive line or defensive line that just dominated you all game. And I think we're going to find out in a couple of days. Barrow has some sort of knee injury. Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't know if he has anything torn, but like the last two drives, he was not really dropping back with like any kind of like agility or like you could tell he was kind of soft on his legs. I think it was definitely bothering him. And there's going to have to be stuff like short and quick and. I don't know. I would have just ran it again on fourth and one with Mixon and tried to get the first down, but because the offensive line was just getting eaten up in pass blocking. He gave me uh, big time Wentz vibes after that from the uh, like where he wasn't really able to drive onto his front leg and throw the ball. It was just kind of like yeah, standing there with like a it was kind of like a cane just sitting there like and then he, if he had to throw it was like uh, yeah like it, it just I would not be surprised at all if we find out a couple weeks from now or a couple days from now that. 
you know, tore a meniscus or something, you know, uh, I hope it's not ACL yeah, or anything I mean, like way, that, but the way he went down and like the, the reaction that we got on like the zoom in of his face, like he had to have hurt something like he yeah. was in an obvious amount of pain. And realistically, I didn't think he was going to be able to throw the ball hard enough, and far enough to go down and get the field goal to tie it. But then Ramsey just gave them 30 yards on yeah. the first play. He just like, I don't know, like, he just wanted to get a pick six just to like celebrate the end of the Super Bowl. What he was doing, but like he just let Chase just basically. If he would have just stood next to Chase, he would have caught it for four yards, tackled him, and the game basically would have been over. But instead, he basically gave them a chance. Yep, it was wild. Um, but yeah, he got kind of torched most of the game and just continued to talk trash through all of it, which is what makes Jalen Ramsey just absolutely hilarious. One of a kind. That guy is absolutely like he's wearing one of a, kind. a ski mask inside. It's eighty nine degrees out. And he's just getting burnt, and he just <laughs> continues to run his mouth, and like has no care in the world. The other thing that bothered me a little bit is on, I believe it was the drive. The drive it didn't affect the drive, but when the guy on the Bengals got called for the penalty, it was when Burrow got hurt. When the guy on the Bengals got called for the penalty for for hitting the Rams player in the face mask, mm-hmm. they called a in the. Earlier in the game, when Aaron Donald knocked Burrow out, and it was like an in-between hit, he punched like nine people yes. in the face on, on his way back to the line of scrimmage, and he they just didn't do anything because it's Aaron Donald. There was a he war was just, on the sidelines he there was just when hitting that play guys left yeah. and, He was just hitting people left and right going back to the line of scrimmage, and then, one, and then the guy on the Bengals does it, he gets flagged. Like, it's just like, be consistent with it. Yeah, that's you know, and that's that's what I was saying earlier. Like it's just like you said, like the three and a half quarters where you were watching the game. Like I, I said the same thing. I was watching my mom. I said, "Mom, they had, like this is the first NFL game I've watched in a long time where I haven't seen the like flags nonstop being thrown left and right." Yeah, like the refs really were not part of the game at all. It was it was very good. And you know, my usual hashtag is the hashtag ref show, dude. It was not a ref show last night until the very end. But like you said, I mean, other than the one on uh, Cooper Cup, a lot of those were justified. You know, like. Cooper Cooper getting smoked in the back of the end zone, and then him getting held by Eli. I love seeing Eli Apple get cooked, by the way. That, that'll that never get old, and just love watching him become burnt toast uh, on the biggest stage. Something about him is just very unlikable. It's probably because he talks uh, the most shit for a guy who is just, you know, not that good, uh, you know, um, unfortunately for him. But, uh, you know... I, a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of difference uh, or a lot of changes for the Rams next year. I don't know if they're ever going to be able to replicate what they were able to put together this year, you know, based off the star power. And there's going to be a lot of free agents, and you have to shell out a lot of money and whatnot. So uh, you know, it's going to be two different teams next year. So I, you know, and before we get into the Sixers, I did want to talk about how, like, what do you think that means for uh, how far away when you watch games like this? I always think how far away are the Eagles. How, how, you know, what, what's it going to take for the Eagles to get in a situation like this where we're playing in the biggest game of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's weird. The NFL is a, a weird sport because teams kind of, the good teams kind of are always good. And, like, I would consider the Eagles one of those teams. Like, we're, Eagles are never usually bad. It's They've true. had a couple years here and there. But they're a team that, yes, they haven't won as many championships, but they're always around. They're always top of the division, making the playoffs. They're always relevant. Um, and, more relevant than probably almost any other team in the division. I mean, the Cowboys, too, for the most part, are pretty consistent with successful seasons and being relevant. The other two teams, not so much. Um, so, like, the top teams usually are, are relevant and kind of stay around it. But, like, you see, like, what a team like the Bengals did and what they win two games and four games and then they're in the Super Bowl. Um, and if you kind of build your roster the right way and 
sometimes just get hot at the right time. Any you can be anywhere. I mean, we can all say what we want, but none of us would have thought that the 2017 Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl. No, um, we like the team. We thought the roster was good, but you wouldn't have gone in that season. Like, oh, we're really Super Bowl contenders. And then next thing you know, you're you know whatever our record was nine and two at one point or something. But I mean, yeah, I don't cruising. think they're I don't think they're knocking on the door, and I also don't think they're you know the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Houston Texans, but. I do think that the quarterback play is going to be an issue. Um, I like Jalen Hurts. I think you can win games with him. I think he's a cool dude. He works hard. I just don't think his skill set presents the style of play that that we see. I mean, you watch that Bills-Chiefs game and what happened at the end of that game in overtime, and it's like they were playing a different sport than the Eagles play. Oh, my God. Um I compared it to uh, – I was talking to a friend about it. I said, that's what's like when I'm a West Virginia fan and I watch Alabama and, and Georgia play in the national championship yep. in college football. That's what that felt like. Like, it's the same sport, but there's different tiers. Yeah, that shit's just di- – what, what happened out there is different. From what happened I, yeah. in that game is not in the same tier as what happens when the Eagles play the Giants or when we've watched the Eagles beat Denver. It, it doesn't even look the same. Um so there's that. I mean, again, who knows what they're going to do? I don't think they're that far off. And, like, you look at next year's schedule, it's it's favorable. Like, they can go out and win 10, 11 games and give themselves a chance, I think. But you just – you really never know. And injuries are always a factor and stuff like that. But I think they there'll be a middle-of-the-pack team probably somewhere between the five and seven seed or however many teams make the playoffs. And who knows? I think the big thing will be – uh, what are they able to swing quarterback wise or like trade wise? Like, like you said, we can win with Jalen Hurts, but I doubt we're going to win games because of Jalen Hurts. Like he's not going to, Agreed. Like, Agreed. like you said, like just go out there and you know miraculously throw the team on his back and carry us from down fourteen. Because it, we were a team this year. Like once we went, if we could go down, if we went down against a good team, it was over. I kind of talked about it on here all year long, like. Again, in that Buccaneers game, once we went down, even two touchdowns, this shit's over because we were just run. Yep. We need to run the ball. We we can't throw. We're not going. He's not going to throw us back into a game from behind. So I, I just think, in general, you're going to be handicapped by having him as your quarterback and having to sort of rely on him to you know. It, well, not even rely on him, but it's just like you're putting yourself in a bad situation. Everything has to go perfect for you to win big games, and it's not. It's not always like that. It's the NFL. You're going to play against good teams. I think they're obviously going to look and try and get a quarterback. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off. There's the Deshaun Watsons, and I think Russell Wilson are the two guys. I don't. Aaron Rodgers isn't coming here. I've, I've already come to the uh, determination of that. It, it, I would love it, but it, you know, it just doesn't make sense um, for him. You know, it would, we would make it make sense for us if that's what needed to be done. But uh, you know, I think the three first round picks is huge this year. And I don't trust Howie to hit on them, but I think if we could hit on uh, maybe two of three of them, it could put us into a situation where we are, like you said, like maybe win a playoff game, maybe get to the divisional round. But ultimately, I do think the quarterback will hold us back and keep us from uh, attaining what we what, you, what we ultimately want to attain. So um, while we're here, we might as well just do the mock draft since we just uh, we went hardcore Eagles. Uh, would you? I do want to ask you: You uh, are you all in on like trying to get another quarterback? I mean, I know you the price has to be right, and there's all that um, stuff to go I, on. But. I'm like really in between. Um, if I, again, like you said, the price matters. Um, I will. Ne- I I'd much rather make the three first round picks 
and bring back Hurts because I think if you're going to pay Hurts a million dollars and you can draft three guys and kind of go into free agency with a little bit of money, sign a guy or two, and kind of build your roster out that way, you give Hurts that one more year, see if there's any more development. Then you know, you know, next after next season, yes, we have to get a quarterback, but you're already in a good spot where you've kind of now developed your roster because your quarterback wasn't taking up a bulk of the money the past two years. I think that's the best way to turn the roster around. Now, if they could get Russell Wilson for a first-round pick and a future you know, third-round pick and trade Hurts with it or whatever, then maybe you do that. But I can't give up more than one first-round pick. I don't really want to give up any of them. Yeah. And I know everyone's going to say, well, it's Howie. You can't, you can't look at it that way. You can't look at it that, oh, he's going to mess the picks up. Um, he takes his crap. He's had some bad picks. He's also had some really good picks that people give him no credit for. I'm not a Howie Roseman lover. I'm not a Howie Roseman hater. I think if you look at 30 GMs in the league, he really isn't that bad. You could do much, much worse. Um, there's some really good players on the team that he's drafted, and there's some really good players on the team that he's made trades for that the Eagles have won going far and away. Um and now with this Wentz situation that we can touch on real quick, that there's these reports that he might get cut. That's crazy. And then know that we're getting a first-round pick for him. So I can't put all – I mean, yes, there's been some blunders of picks, but, like, no one gives Harry Roseman credit for drafting Jordan Mailata in the sixth, seventh round. The guy never played football before. Yeah. He's one of the best left tackles in football. So, like, he's not – you could do worse. We'll put it that way. Definitely. So I'm willing to go out there with my three first-round picks. And there's so many things that the Eagles need that if they just draft the best – player at the position they need it should make them better i agree and the the, the mainly with the uh, russell wilson and the, just the trading thing i would love to give up like a first this year and maybe a first next year like i don't want to give up more than one first this year especially because i think we do need to make those picks and supplement like we need defense we, we need it badly and if uh our boy jg is going to be around we need to give him some uh some talent to actually, yeah, you know, go to war not, with. I would not give up more than one first round pick anywhere for Russell Wilson. So whether it's this year's first and future second, third, fourth, or this year's second and future first, I think Russell Wilson's a good player. I think he's on the back end of his career. I think he's going to decline a little bit as he loses his athleticism as he gets older. I'm okay with giving up one first, but I am not giving up more than one. Yeah, I, and I don't blame you for thinking that way. I, I would just, you know, I just, lo- I just love Russell Wilson. So it's a part, like, you know, I think he's so accurate. I think he's like everything that we would want Jalen Hurts to become. And, yeah, and I mean, he's he, the best he case scenario. He immediately will make Devonta Smith better, and then the other guys. I think good quarterbacks just make every wide receiver better. I'm yeah. not saying Jalen Rager becomes a Pro Bowler, but I do think Jalen Rager would be a better wide receiver with a real quarter, real throwing quarterback. No doubt. No but you doubt. can't convince me if you put Jalen Rager on Green Bay or Buffalo, he, those guys wouldn't find him and get him the ball, and he wouldn't make plays. He, he's still – he ain't the best, but he's not horrible. Yeah, it just – more – like he has all the talent in the world. It seems like uh, between the ears is where his problems lie and his just ability to, I don't know, like lose focus during games and just – I mean, when you're dropping balls the way he does, that's all it can be because it's not like his hands don't work or anything like that. He has – we've seen the guy make one-handed catches. Like I always go back to that Giants game where he just – he had just a, me- a mental collapse that day and just literally <laughs> forgot how to catch the ball, and, and that's just – it cost us one one of our, you know, it was a, a big game at the time. We thought we were like, oh, playoffs are done now because we lost this game. But, it, you know, 
he kind of he just is he's an he's Aguilar to me. He just gives me Aguilar vibes. Like it, there's yep. obviously a way back, but it's just you know ultimately that's just kind of not really he's not really trustworthy. That's you know. But like you said, if you have a good quarterback who can he can uh, let's say buff out the scratches on that, make him look much better than he actually is. So. Let's uh let's go into a, a mock draft real quick. Uh, I'm gonna do an NBC Sports one by I don't know what this gentleman's name is. This is Glenn G L Y N N Morgan. All right. Nice. There we go. This was from like a week ago or so. So, uh, you know the typical Evan Neal going first overall. Aiden Hutchinson, who uh, you know I, I think they just pick him because he's a big white dude. Uh, but I I think he has talent and everything. But uh, Kyle Hamilton going fourth. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau going third. So I, I'm not going to read all of it, but Kenny, I do want to read a couple of the quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett going ninth to the Broncos. Uh, you know who knows who knows with that. Sam Howe to the uh, to the Commanders at uh, <laughs> at number eleven. That's interesting. And down at fifteen, they have the Eagles picking Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. And mainly, everyone names. Uh, I'm not going to read the paragraph, but it's basically just that we need a big wide receiver, and you know he. He kind of fits that bill. He's 6'5", 210. He's aggressive attacking style is exactly what the Eagles could use to pump life into their passing game. What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, I would give you an immediate no. Wow. Um, I, I don't need another Pac-12 wide receiver to start. <laughs> yep, yep. So that, there's number one. Um, <laughs> two of the first – I mean, you can read off the other two projections they have. Two of the three guys have to be defensive players. One of them has to be a linebacker, and one of them has to probably be a corner. Yeah, so one you of them is a corner, pick, but the other one is not a linebacker. Who, 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 what's the Eagles' first pick? 15? 15. And then they pick again at 16? Yes, sir. So who do they have going there? At 16, they have Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback from Clemson. And then who do they have going 17, 18, and 19? So 17 is Jordan Davis, defensive tackle from Georgia. 18 is Matt Corral, quarterback from okay. Ole Miss. And 19 is Tyler Lindbaum from, uh, or Linderbaum from center from Iowa. The center who is compared to Kelsey, who is rumored that could be a possible replacement. Yes. Who I would not take, but so what do those receivers going ahead of London? Uh, so yeah, I saw Garrett Wilson is going 13 to the Browns. And other than that, it's not not really. Uh, Devin Lloyd is a linebacker. He's going seven to the Giants, and I don't see uh, Nicobe Dean here, which is my. Um, so I, I love I, was, I love him. If but. I was going to take an offensive player, I would take Olave or Jamison Williams before I took Drake London. Um, I <laughs> you know say Williams his name tor- with such disgust. <laughs> I, I he's. he's you can't just keep taking my receivers from schools that win six games. Like if they were that good, he just he just screams JJ Ortega Whiteside to me. Oh yeah. Like I, so I mean Chris Olave, I think is going to be a really good pro. I think he can be a slot guy. He's going to make plays. Um, and Jameson Williams, I think, is a no doubt first round pick. He he tore his ACL national championship, so that's obviously going to hurt him. But I mean, the guy can play. I'll take another Alabama receiver any day of the week. But. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that you have to take a corner. Obviously, Booth is probably the guy that everyone's talking about that's going to be there. Um, I personally would love them to get Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. Um, I don't know if he makes it to 15. Um, On here, he's going 12 to the Vikings. 
Okay, so he's going to be in the range. Yeah. If they want him, they might be able to trade up again. And that's the other thing. You know, if there's a guy they really target and he's on the board, who knows? They might move up and get a guy. But I think you have to take a linebacker um, at some point. So I, I think my, I would rank it as linebacker one, corner two, and then three, you can do whatever you want, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it's a center, whether it's just a, a nose tackle. I, I wouldn't hate uh, – Jordan Davis from Georgia. I mean, the man takes up the entire defensive line. Yeah, and Fletcher Cox isn't getting younger. Um, I I would take three defensive players if I was drafting. Um, unless like there's like a home run offensive guy that kind of fell in your lap, maybe uh, Drake London drops down into the twenties, and then you can steal him. Yeah, Drake London is a. Um, I would like him at twenty or nineteen. As opposed to I just can't, fifteen, I don't really I want him. But like you said, like it, I, I do want a wide receiver. I don't really want to draft one. I, I I've been on here saying I'd rather just like shell some money out for one if we could swing it that way. There's but, you know, so many wide receivers in free agency exactly. this year that are good players. Like the worst one of the groups, like DJ Chark, who has who's a awesome. yard receiver yeah. two years ago. Like Allen Robinson's older, but he's good. Mike, uh, Mike, Mike Williams. Williams, yeah, Godwin coming off an injury might be cheap. Like. I'd rather go that route. I just can't see a guy named Drake London having success in Philadelphia. It just doesn't doesn't sound like anything good to me. Like you said, it just kind of gives you the like all the we've had bad bad history with these wide receivers from the Pac-12. It's just uh, I don't want nothing to do with it. Especially a, another big guy who's supposed to be a red zone threat. I mean, JJ Ortega Whiteside was a beast at Stanford. He was a, an absolute red zone, uh, yeah, you know, red zone, tar- red zone target. god. Awesome. But and then he comes here and forgets how to catch. A lot of these guys just come here and they forget how to even not even forget how to catch. They forget how to play football. And, and the only thing that Arthago Whiteside now has just become a Jason Peters as wide receiver, which is unbelievable. I've never seen a guy who's gotten drafted that high who just his specialty is blocking on screens. Uh, and yeah, I mean. When he comes if into the game, though, you know, receiver. like, if I was on defense, I'd be like, yo, look at the big guy. This is The screen's going right behind. And every time this yeah, year, it seemed like the screen was going running. right to him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be something uh, like that. If I could have him take any player at wide receiver, I want him to take Slade Bolden from Alabama oh, in like yeah. the fourth or fifth round and just throw him in the slot. Little and whitey guy. Just catch six-yard drags and curls and out routes and just, just give me a slot receiver like that. Give me a Cole Beasley, a Wes Welker type guy. Okay, you want a little honky running around. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but no, I just like I know what you mean though. Like we just need some, we just need something more trustworthy than a Drake London, where we've just been burnt on a guy like that. Who I don't. Them big guys, it's really, really hit or miss. They can, they can stink or they can be, you know, like yeah. Game-changing. I mean, he, he might be a good player. I just think the last thing they need to do right now is use their first first round pick on another wide receiver. Yeah. Now you're one hundred percent right. Uh and a couple of the guys you did name that go that were going after him were like wide receivers. Uh Olav is going to the Raiders at twenty two on this. Uh Nicobe Dean, who I love, is going twenty four to the Cowboys. That's worst case scenario. Uh what do you think about Dotson from uh Penn State? Everyone I like loves him. him. I, I think he's uh, he's really good. Um I again I don't know. I think he's a back end first round guy. I don't I just can't really justify them taking any receiver at this point they've just put so much into it over the past three or four years like someone you can't just keep drafting receivers. yeah i agree you have to just to go another way with this and figure out a new like you get yeah, you can't just keep going to the bank and like just 
withdrawing, withdrawing, withdrawing. Eventually, you have to like, all right. Well, like if that's your if that's your strategy, then you would just draft the quarterback this year. Yeah, exactly. Like just, if you think you have to draft Trey London because Rager's not good enough, then you have to draft the quarterback because Hurts isn't good enough. Like at some point, you can't just keep drafting the same position every year. Yeah, and Jamison Williams going 26 to the Titans. I did want to say that, but okay. yeah. So, like you said, I wouldn't even be opposed to a nice trade down if that at that 19 spot. If you know, like oh, there's a lot, of, like you said, a lot of wide receivers sitting at the back end of this uh, first round. If that's where the route you want to go, then I would do that as opposed. Maybe, I don't know what you could get for that. Maybe another third rounder or something like that. But it's you know how he how he likes to pull those moves off all the time. Yeah, I so. would take any of those three receivers: Dotson, Williams, or Olave in the 20s before I. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so let's take it over to the basketball scene. Uh, you know, we big. This is the prime time. You know, this is this is what we're where we're at, where our heads at now. You know, we wanted to. This is probably going to be the last uh, time football leads the show for quite some time. Um, James Harden's a Sixer. The Sixers continue to chug along and just dominate. Uh, Joel Embiid is everything we ever hoped for and everything we could have ever dreamed for. The other night he has a bad game against the, the Thunder, you know, a bad game, 25 and 19 uh, in 35 minutes. And then he bounces back the next night on a back-to-back, which if I had told you three or four years ago that he was going to be, you know, playing a back-to-back where he's playing 35 minutes one night and 30-plus the next night, you'd have been like, dude, that's never going to happen. Like, that's that's fake. That's, you know, that's a dream, whatever. He has 40, 14, and 10, and a triple-double. You know, for one of the first since, like, James James Harden's the only guy that, like, does that, too. So, it's like, it just all makes sense. It all adds up. Where, where are you, How are you feeling right now as a Sixers fan? Have you ever been this excited about the team? All right, Matt. Here's, here's where I go here. All right. For anyone who's a Philadelphia sports fan who has said that the process was a failure, it didn't work, it was stupid, yada, 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 don't watch any more games, don't celebrate, Get off the bandwagon and stay away. There you go. Okay. The process worked. The process is working and the process will always work. We have one of the best players in the league in Joel Embiid. No doubt. We have one of the next best players in the league in James Harden. Absolutely. We have Tyrese Maxey. We have Tobias Harris. We, the Sixers are very good. Very good. Very good. And what, I mean, you couldn't ask, you can't, you couldn't have played this situation any more perfectly. Nope. Find me a better situation than one guy decides he doesn't want to play. He's the guy who's holding the team back. The guy who replaces him is 21 years old, has gotten exponentially better in six months, and looks like he's a future all-star that is going to be a 20-point scorer for the next 10 years. The guy who's the best player on your team now gets to actually do more than he did before when he was an MVP candidate and has also just gotten better at everything he did. You were 10 games above 500 during all this with your second highest paid player not playing. And oh, by the way, you then traded him and two role players for arguably the best top one of the best three pure scorers in the NBA. Without question. I think there's. I think if you, if I personally had to say the four best scorers right now of the basketball in the NBA, the Sixers have two of them. Oh, well, one hundred percent. I don't I even would, know who I else. Say, Maybe. I would say Kevin Durant. Yeah, I think he's unguardable. He can score anywhere. I would say Joe Embiid. I would say James Harden, and I'd probably say Steph Curry. Yep, that was going to be the other name I would say. Other than that, uh, you know, 
Those we're four talking guys about pure score wherever they want, and yeah. you can't stop them. No, nope. I couldn't agree more because it's it, it, and. When we talked about this, and I, I never in a million years thought James Harden would come here this season. That was always like, that was never in my uh, realm of possibility. I always thought, okay, like, like when the thought was like, let's hold out until next year. And I was always like, well, you know, you don't know if James Harden's going to want to come here or if he's going to be. And there was like the, it's, you know, it's crazy to me, like the whole him telling the Nets like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I want to be here. You know, like it's, I'm totally committed to this. Hell? And then, <laughs> How good does it feel to have a guy like James Harden say, "Like I want to be a Sixer"? Like how unbelievable! Like this is—it's the best feeling since Bryce Harper said he wanted to be a Philly. Yes. Like James Harden was like, "No, I want to be a Sixer. I want to play at Joel Embiid." And I mean, at the end of the day, you have to credit Daryl Morey for that. Like he's one of the main reasons James Harden wants to be here. Yep. Him and Joel Embiid are basically the two reasons, and then you can add um the Michael Rubens of the world. I, and it's crazy how Michael Ruben actually like is is a factor in all this. He's not even a, like really the owner, but he's like the, yeah, he's like the he's the like Pat the, Croce, the like yeah, face he's of just it. like yeah, yep. And you know, and this is all that we're not even talking about what's going to happen on the basketball court and how much like of an impact this makes. Uh, for for Joel Embiid, we've never seen Joel Embiid have a guy with this capability. Like we always wanted Ben Simmons to even be 40% of what James Harden's offensive game is. We, we couldn't run a pick and roll with him because he was just incapable of doing it. There was no point. No one would come out and guard Ben Simmons on, on a pick and roll. And you know what? I, I, let me get sidetracked here for a moment. What do you think? Like, How can you be Stephen A. Smith and actually like legitimately think that we got hosed? Well, he's just there. He just needs. He's just getting clicks. He needs views. I guess that's um, what it is. But it's just you I, can go back and look on his takes. I mean, I as soon as I saw that he said we got hosed, I knew it was a good trade. That's how you know it was a good trade. <laughs> like if he's a, a, whatever the opposite side of he is, that's what's the right side. So as soon as I saw him say it, I was like, "Well, good. We're good. We won." Yeah, like it's like the thought process that we're going to be scared of Ben Simmons now. We're going to have to trade him out west so we don't have to. Like, come on, man. We. We've seen Ben Simmons for five years now, six years. Like we know what he what he is. That he is what he is. And all these people, you, you can just tell how detached some of the national media is. And like even Woj and Ramona Shelburne, two of the most out of touch individuals that you could ever imagine when they talk about just Philadelphia in general. I I don't know, you know, that Ramona's definitely plugged in out there in L.A. Uh, we we all know that. But uh, them saying like. Oh, if he were to come back, he would have gotten a standing ovation like that. Come, I mean, come on, dude. You obviously have ne- have never t- spoken to anyone in Philadelphia or know even what's going on in Philadelphia or how we feel about it. And many same people are saying, "Well, look what you know. He can become this if he just develops a little bit of a mid range." Like we've been saying that for four years. It's not going to happen. That he is what he is. This is what he is, man. I mean, it doesn't even matter. Like, what, when push comes to shove, like, all that matters is he was never playing another game for the Sixers, and then they just got a player that's 10 times better than him. So, like, that, that's just, like, that's what happened. Like, he yep. was never playing another game, so I don't care what he develops, and he's not going to anyway. It, it, yeah, and uh, that's what the whole the whole conversation was like. Oh yeah, like if if we don't trade him, like maybe he comes back, and maybe and then Joel's like, dude, I'm not calling him up. I don't, I don't, I don't get paid to babysit. I don't want nothing to do. And obviously, Joel wanted nothing. I wanted nothing to do with him coming back this season. I don't care if he helped us or hurt us. This team was finally starting to get on, like get on track and start rolling. 
and then you're going to throw that like black cloud back into the locker room, and, and everyone's going to you know be happy with. And now poor Seth and, and Drummond have to go play with him in Brooklyn, and he <laughs> he's like crying on the phone, like, "Oh, thank you guys for believing in me." Like, when did we ever not believe in him? We believed in him for until he stopped believing in us, basically, and turned his back on the entire city, franchise, teammates, everyone. Just said, yeah, like people would have been mad about how he played in the Hawk series, but like if he just showed up the training camp and was just back on the team this year, just like and none of this happened, like people would have just continued to just root for him because we had no like, like people would have got mad and there would have been the groans when he missed foul shots or didn't shoot and like would have been the same thing as before, but like people weren't like demanding that he be traded until he basically said, "I'm not playing anymore." Yeah, and that, that's yeah. It, it, I just didn't. I hated that whole just. I don't know, narrative or mindset of just like, yeah, like we were going to hate him no matter what. Like if he had came out after that game and was like, yo, you know what, man? Like I just was not good. Like I'm in a bad mental spot right now. I was not good enough this year. And I promise I'm going to do everything I can to be back next year and be better. We would all have been like, all right, like we're pissed at you, but like, we okay, like we'll, we'll let's see it. You know, like we'll, you know, get better. Come on, man. Show us what, what you can do. Show us what, you know, how you've grown and whatnot. And he, he wanted nothing to do with that. He basically, what was he saying in the post game? Like, oh, what was bet? What was Trey Young's stats? Oh, you know, yeah, I'm he an said, I am, Like, he said, I am who I am. Yeah, and look how good I played on defense. Like, come on, dude, you got have a little bit of fucking self awareness. And yeah, you know, I, I'm just actually happy that we don't really have to like discuss him at length anymore. I mean, I'm sure he's going to continue to be around and continue to be a conversation, but we can move on and talk about our. You know, we can we can speak happily about the Sixers, and you know, what are we gonna, What can we do? Can we win the title? You know, like just things of that nature. Not like, oh wow, what what could have been? I wish we would have gotten this for that, or you know, I can't wait till Ben Simmons gets traded. It's over with. You know, so it's James Har- it's James Harden's town now. It's the, we're going to Delilah's. We're going to cheerleaders, Club Risque, wherever you want to go, dude. Wing Pole Twenty Two was this past weekend. So you know, there's a lot going on in the city now. It's I'm. I'm I have you like I really don't think I've ever been this happy as a Sixers fan. I, I really truly don't. I've never believed in the team this way, other than when we had Butler. That was the last time I actually yeah, I mean, was yeah, like, yeah. Since since the Jimmy Butler year, I mean, this is it's just going to be so nice to like have a guard who can like create his own shot, create for other people, and like a guy who like at the end of the game we can just like give the ball to him, like, isolate and score. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and like at the end of the like you said, end of the game, we have for years and years and years now just struggled and not been able to do any, like, and we've collapsed. Like, uh, like you talk about that, but the Butler game or the Butler just you know era, and when we went to the playoffs against the Raptors, that game seven. I mean, how many? What did we have? Four consecutive shot clock violations at the end of the game, where no one knew what to do with the ball, and it was just kind of like a it was it turned into hot potato season, you know? Like, and then it was just oh we got. I just am happy to have a guy, like you said, who can just knows what to do at the end of the game and is not scared to shoot a step back three in two people's faces if that's what the, if that's what the situation calls Yeah, for. I mean, now you just don't have to play through and beat late in the game every time down. It's yeah. just going to be so much more relief on the – it should just make everything run so much smoother. Like, realistically, like, late in games, like, I know Joel wants to be the guy, but, like, Harden should be the guy taking the shots more time than not. It, it always, or at least it, initiating it, the possession. Absolutely, it should always be a guard. I, we, I, I'm sure we've even talked about this. Uh, just how, yeah, you can't count on a center, no matter how good he may be. You cannot count on a center to initiate the offense at the end of the game because not only is he, 
like turnover prone and it's just like a little sloppy. He's going to get hacked and they're not going to call anything. Yeah, and it just it's playing out of weird spots on the floor that you're not used to operating out of in those kind of situations. Like you don't have the option to screen and roll and kick. Like the ball's kind of just stuck down in a spot and if they don't collapse, everyone's covered and basically he has to just take a contested turnaround jumper. Yeah. Like if you can start it from up top and drive and slash and bring the, move the defense around and drive and kick or just get to the rim, like it just it makes so many more things, you know, available to you. Opens up a whole new avenue of possibilities that were not nowhere near even a reality when 25 was here and it's it's going to be incredible. He's going to be sitting out until after the All-Star break, which I'm totally cool with. Just let's make sure he's 100% healthy and good to go. And then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's only, what, I think two games this week, Tuesday, yeah. Thursday. And, I mean, winning those two games on the weekend, I think, gives them a little bit of breathing room. Boston's not very good anyway. They probably have a chance of beating them without Boston's on. Boston's hot right now, though. They That's are good. playing really well. I think, I mean, Milwaukee's obviously going to be a tough game. But I don't know, like, even if Harden played tomorrow night, I don't know how smooth things would run anyway. I mean, they they've never played together. They probably need to get some practice in before kind of get going. Yeah, and that's that's the good thing you see in my practice today, working with uh, Maxie and everything. It's just like it's awesome to see. And uh, yeah, I'm totally fine with just let's just wait. It looks like the 25th uh, on the road against Minnesota is going to be the first night that we uh, we get to see him in a Sixers jersey and. I can't, man, I, it's a Friday night too, dude. That's oh, we'll, the booze will be flowing. I'm gonna have a few Miller lights before that eight o'clock tip off, and I'm I'm gonna be fired up, dude. It's, it's being a Sixers fan is instant. I mean, it's already been fun, and I mean, you know, early in the season, I had uh, a little bit of a uh, love hate relationship with them just based off how it went down last year. But you know, I'm I'm all the way back, baby. And uh, what do you think? Like, do you actually think? Are you uh, of my mindset where it's like you can't tell me they're not going to win the Eastern Conference? I mean, obviously, it's not going to be easy, but I'm just like, uh, the fan in me is just saying, no one's going to fuck with us, basically. So. Yeah, um, I want to see what they do in the next couple of weeks on the buyout market, because I think there are still a few holes yep. in, the, in the roster. Um, I think one of the big things that people haven't really talked about yet is like, the Sixers bench right now isn't the best. But, when you now, when you're a guy like George Niang, Danny Green, Furkan's going to play, Shake. These guys, now that realistically they're always going to be on the floor, probably, hopefully, with two of the starters, yeah, makes or it so guard. much easier for them. Like, yes, that, that unit's not great when they're playing four or five of them together at once, but you just think two or three of those guys out there, now some of them are playing at the same time as Embiid, or some of them are playing with Harden. Like, it's going to be so much easier for them. Like, I think one of the guys who... I think this actually is really going to benefit a lot. I think this is going to help Danny Green a ton. Um, I think just getting another ball handler that can kind of create space for him and get him the ball in rhythm. I mean, Danny Green was a really good shooter last year, and and part of that was because Simmons got him the ball in transition and in spots, in space, and got it to him in the right spot, on time, ready to shoot. And yep. I, For everything Maxi has done well, he still struggles a little bit as a distributor, as a point guard, and I think that has hurt some of our catch-and-shoot guys this year. Green being one of them. Tobias is starting to sh- just shoot more now volume-wise, which is nice to see, and, and he's he's been hot. So hopefully he can continue shooting. But I think just the ability for Harden to kind of create and get guys the ball on time in the right spots is going to be huge. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and 
we didn't even talk about how much this trade takes a, a load off and just the pressure off of Tobias and how it'll allow him to actually be that third guy that we kind of agreed and paid, you know, not that he's worth that money. You can argue that all day long, but at least you're going to be able to use his skill set more appropriately now that you don't have to, he doesn't have to be like the second scoring guy and counting on him for 20 plus a night. He can kind of just do his thing, play a little defense, you know, just, there's no, there's not anywhere near as much pressure on most of these guys, and I just don't want to see uh, Point Ferk out there anymore. Uh, I want to want Doc. I'm pleading with you, Doc. Please, like stagger the minutes a little bit. Get Maxi in there with the the backups to play point guard until you get an actual legitimate backup point guard. If that's not going to be a thing, then you need to stagger these guys because you can't have Danny Green bringing the ball up, which he was on that Tuesday night Suns game when I was there, and I was almost I almost had an aneurysm in, in the building. Yeah, because... and I mean you got you got Shake back now, so that's another. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, I think I mean they, I don't see them getting another guard now at this point because Harden is de basically a de facto point guard as yep. well. Um, the obviously center like they're going to have to address backup center. You can't go into the playoffs with Paul Reed and Charles Bassey. Um, no, granted, you're going to want. If it's a playoff game, Embiid should be playing 38 to 40 minutes a night, but you still need another option. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to see kind of where they go on, on the buyout market. Um, there's a couple guys who will probably be available. I mean, just literally anyone that can play 8 to 10 minutes just to, to kill some time. I don't think Paul Millsap is going to be that guy. Um, he's kind of over the hill at this point, but a, a nice veteran to have in the locker room. Definitely doesn't hurt, and yeah, like you said, just kind of like a if if things go bad, you can use Paul Millsap and throw him out there, and he can hit some shots, and he can do some different things. So it just gives you, like you said, another option. I would like another shooter as well, uh, if we could get one. You know, uh, I I love the rumors of JJ Redick. I don't know if that's real or not, but you know, I don't know if that would actually even work. He's probably decrepit and can barely move at this point. Yeah, I but. can't see JJ being really ready to go at this point. I mean, the guy was always in good shape. I think he's kind of kind of done with everything yeah it'll definitely be interesting to see where where they go trying to build out the last couple spots going in because i think i think they have as good a chance as anyone in the east i think i mean milwaukee milwaukee's the team to beat they're yeah the defending champ they're really good the, the milwaukee bucks are really good absolutely I think, I think it's if we play them in a series it'll be really tough series but i, I mean i think the sixers are in a position they're just right there even with just about everybody at this point um i don't think phoenix phoenix is good i don't think if you just put them on paper they're that much better so we'll see how it goes yeah and you know the nets are obviously if they can somewhat make a run and get into the playoffs i i, I don't love the idea of having to play them just based off kd and Kyrie. but if Kyrie's playing half the games and you know they have there's a there's so much up in the air with them and Ben, yeah, I mean, ben seems like his head's also, clear now, so he's ready this to is go. Also, you know, one thing I keep that's also this is also assuming that like Durant is just back at a hundred percent. True, that um, is true. Like the guy has a partially torn MCL. Like everyone's just acting like he's just going to come back in like three weeks and just score fifty points a game. Like it's not realistic. No, no, you're right. And there's a lot. That, that's the thing with the Nets. A lot of variables. A lot of different stuff going on there. And uh, you know, the yeah, Heat, I just don't see the Nets being a threat. I think they just have so much noise going on. You just can't win when you have that much just stuff happening yeah, around. Yeah, all that shit floating around your team, and just yeah. No, I, I totally agree. It's and you know when you've lost eleven in a row, that's also not a good situation either, where you can just <laughs> come around and bounce back like that. But 
Yeah, and then, you know, like a lot of frauds at the top of the uh, Eastern Conference with the Heat, Bulls, and Cavs. The Heat don't scare me. Uh, nowhere, n- not, they really don't, don't scare me at all. Uh, the Bulls, we've seen, we've taken care of business, and the Cavs, we've taken care of business as well. So, you know, and the Heat, we've taken care of business as well, but it's just n- none of those teams scare me, and you're right. But it's us and the Bucks, and I hope we get that in the Eastern Conference Finals that we don't. I mean, right now, if the playoffs started today, we'd play them in the first round. So, that would be quite the yeah, first round matchup. That, that's not good. We got to start winning some games yeah. and give ourselves an easier first round matchup. Yeah, that can't happen. Right now, we would. Yeah, we'd be on the road. But you know, based off last year, that doesn't really uh, doesn't really matter. Well, I still hold it against them that they lost three games at home last year in that in that Hawk series. That. Uh, all right, but we're moving forward though, Dean. We're moving forward. We're not looking back. This is a new team, a new era. Uh, show your love together with we build. You know all that stuff. So. Uh, I did want to quickly on the way out, um, you know, you're a baseball guy and, uh, this is starting to really, uh, start to get really hurt my feelings, man. Uh, uh, are we going to have a, like a full baseball season? It doesn't, it's really starting to look like it's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what, what goes on at these meetings and I don't know what everyone's really arguing about when it gets down to the nitty gritty, but it doesn't really feel like. It doesn't feel like we're there. It doesn't feel like we're at the one-yard line. No. Um, and even if we are, I mean, more times than not, spring tra- I mean, spring training would, pitchers and catchers would be heading down. So um feels like they're going to be a little bit behind. Uh, maybe they'll start on time. It, do- it doesn't feel like we're getting a full 162, but who knows? Yeah, I, you know, I, I just need – I think I could – I could live with it if we just get some baseball by May. You know, maybe all right, April. Yeah, I, I won't. I don't want to miss any games, but I just have no confidence in. You know, I, I hate Rob Manfred because he just seems like such a scumbag. That's just don't know the guy, but it just seems like that's the it's the vibes he gives off, and it just doesn't seem like he's willing to cave whatsoever, and says he's optimistic and it could be disastrous for MLB if he's wrong. Uh, see, like that's those are the quotes that this guy gives us, you know, like that. Oh, uh, I hope it happens, but uh, you know, if it doesn't, you know, we're we're all gonna fucking lose money and sell the league. It's like, oh, oh thanks, Rob. Uh, you know, I really fucking feel good. It's time for the MLB players to make the owners an overwhelming offer. That's that's what Bo, it's Jim Bowden's doing today. So, it, <laughs> you know, that's that's what we're dealing with here. And I, you know, Phillies related, you know, so there's and there's like so many guys that are unsigned. And yeah, that's, you know, that's what's interesting to see is when the league does come back. I mean, guys got to get on teams. So that'll be – I mean, I'm sure there's all kind of back-channel dealing going on I'm and sure. conversations being had. But, yeah, I mean, they're not in a great spot. And I'll be the first one to admit, like, I'm as big a baseball fan as anyone. If we miss April baseball, it's really not going to affect me very much. Um, it's – you got basketball going on. None of us are really going to many April games. It's cold. Yeah. Um, but but by May first, we got to have we got to have MLB baseball, you know, up and running, ready to go. I could not agree more, and I just need that, especially. And if we start getting into the summer, that's when I start getting really panicked and worried because I there's nothing more I love than like on a June night or a June Friday, then you're you're done work for the week. You're like, dude, let the Phils play tonight. Like I'm gonna head down to the yard. I'm gonna go watch the Phils play the Pirates or whoever. You know, I'm gonna go watch the Phils get four hits in one run yeah, and the bullpen dude. blow the game and ruin my weekend. I'm gonna watch Kyle Gibson throw a gem and then we're <laughs> gonna bring in Ian Kennedy and he's gonna get blown up. But uh, yeah, you know, and like there, yeah, like like I said, there's so many guys that there's so many moving parts that need to happen uh, with the team. Uh, you know, not even on this whole uh, labor strike and everything, but 
Yeah, it's just a sad, sad situation. Uh, anything you wanted to t- touch on on the way out the door? I, I, there's not much. I mean, the Flyers stink. I, I don't really talk yeah, about we, them on here. We don't, but. we don't really need to address them. Uh, congrats, Danny Briere, on being the new assistant to the general manager. Yes, uh, that's cool. Uh, I guess we're hoping for Shane Wright. Is that the um, the the, the, yeah, the new from? Not that I'm the biggest hockey guy, but you know, when I've listened to hockey podcasts or hockey talk, that he seems to be the guy that's uh, the next Sidney Crosby. So. Uh, yeah. Anytime I hear that, and obviously a lottery Let's situation in the right. NHL, but we have set ourselves up nice for a high draft pick due to the fact that we absolutely stink. And I don't know if, uh, you know, maybe it's the end of uh, old G, old uh, old 28 here come the trade deadline, because I believe the yeah, NHL trade deadline's coming up, right? I think, yeah, I think he probably gets moved. I hope he gets moved. Um, I mean, he deserves it. He deserves to go to, to a team that can win something and, and give him a shot, because, I mean... He's given this a franchise everything he can and had to deal with a lot of just terribly run teams and, and poorly put together teams and has never complained about anything. I mean, he's been one of the most consistent players in the leagues and since he's come into the leagues. He, he deserves to kind of get a chance at it. Yeah, to get a chance to go and maybe actually win something somewhere with a legitimate uh, All-Star game MVP. All-Star game MVP. And the trade deadline for the NHL isn't until March 21st, which... Seems crazy fucking late if you ask me, but uh, I, you know, I guess hockey don't play around. They want to see. We want to know if we're actually out of the race, and then we're gonna trade all of our guys. <laughs> you know, like I, I just whatever. Uh, shout out to Broads. Broads could probably tell us much more about this. That guy is a hockey god. But uh, I think the Flyers should sell off anything they possibly can because yeah, Broads, you get a much more impassioned hockey talk, a Flyers talk from Broods than you're gonna get from me. Yeah, there's just apathy and disgust and just. Uh, sadness when when you, I mean if you look at any uh, NHL trade deadline like it's all pictures of just Giroux so I guess that's what everyone else thinks yeah and I mean the Flyers are like they're so bad that like I don't know, do they play tonight I couldn't even tell you but like if even if they do like there's nothing else on like I probably will just like watch a movie like I'm not even gonna waste my time watching them no you're 100 percent right why would you do this to yourself when it just it just creates anger and sadness every time like i, I was watching the red wings game was that on saturday it was like a saturday afternoon game and they 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 just stink and i don't even recognize half the guys that are out there i'm watching yeah, like, i'm watching like, McEwen out there just dominating. It's saturday like, afternoon and like i'd rather just watch like kansas play texas tech and college basketball yeah, like Isaac, Isaac Rackley. Like no rooting interest. Exactly. Like, it doesn't even have to have a gambling thing or, or aspect to it. I mean, when you got uh, Connor Bun- Bunneman out there, you know, Jackson Cates, not Cakes, Cates, Kevin <laughs> Connor. Like, I don't know who any of these guys are. You know, so uh, uh, that's the hockey. That, that's the Philadelphia hockey uh, The Philadelphia hockey Flyers right there, dude. And they play the Penguins tomorrow. So if you really want to get upset... <laughs> Tune into a, a former rival as they kick our fucking dicks in, probably. Uh, Capitals, Hurricanes, like all, doesn't mean nothing anymore. Doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, time for the Flyers to give Cam York a shot. That's that's what uh, the articles that people, poor guys that cover the Flyers on a daily basis, have to <laughs> watch this nonsense. That's like the people who are covering the, the process. Just uh, each day you're talking about Henry Sims and Hollis Thompson, so. Yeah, hey Brett, what do you what do you think about Tony Root and Isaiah Cannon? Yeah, oh, uh, well, they're not NBA players. What do you want? Uh, I love KJ McDaniel's. He's a really great. And then they trade him at the deadline for like a second round pick, and it's like, oh, okay, uh, that's where we're at. But so I want to start a petition for when the Sixers make the finals this year, the first home game in Philly. I would like to wrangle up as many members of the process era Sixers as possible to ring the bell. 
Like, oh, I want, like, yeah. 78 players there to ring the bell, and they all get a swing at it. Like, of 12-minute bell ceremony where they all hit the bell. James Anderson? Yeah, like, James Anderson, you get a crack. Gerald Henderson, you get a crack. Oh, man, could you imagine? Henry and, Sims, you get a, like, just keep bringing up guys. Like, bring up Brett Brown, just this guy, Isaiah Cannon, like. They have to start ringing even, the bell at, like, 6.30 for a 7.30 tip-off. Oh, yeah, like, yep. They're just uh, Andre Kurylenko is going to finish it Danny, off. Danny Granger, you yeah. ring the bell. Like everybody gets a swing. Ring at the him. bell, brother. <laughs> Roco, yeah, you'd have to bring Roco out. I don't know if he's going to make the playoffs or not. If he'd be busy that night, but uh, talk about one more thing. Talk about the the seven degrees of the process. If you draw it back and draw down the timeline, Sixers drafted Dario Saric. You know, as part of the process, and, and Robert Covington started the process for us. Those guys got traded for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was traded for Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson was traded for Seth Curry. And Seth Curry was part of the deal to land James Harden. Yep, and that's what people have drawn that line where it's... Yep, Thank we you, Sam Hingy. We basically just traded uh, Seth... Or what's it called? Josh Richardson for James Harden. Yeah, we and basically... Sam Hinky traded Darius Sarge and Robert Covington for James Harden eight years later. And it, it, it hasn't felt sweet. I, has, I couldn't feel any better, man. I feel like I'm on cloud nine when I talk about these Sixers. And it's, it's going to be... Just seeing Harden in that practice in the Sixers gear shooting just like doesn't seem real. It's like... There's still some days where I watch the Phillies and it'll be like the sixth inning and Harper hits like a double and I'm like, dude, he's actually like on the Phillies. Yeah, we have one of the best like, players still in the like, league. <laughs> yeah, like it still blows my mind sometimes. I'm like, oh my god, Bryce Harper's like a Philly. Like that's what it's gonna be like with James Harden. Like there's gonna be some random night and like probably it's gonna be like March 12th and James Harden's gonna score like 52 points and we're gonna be oh wow he's like a sixer. Yeah, like he that dude I this guy's really good, you know? And all, <laughs> yeah, all like, the, this guy's good. All the national media will be like, wow, you know, well you have to worry about uh you know his fit with Embiid and he will his hamstrings hold up and, the, and they're all just waiting for this thing to collapse because they fucking hate us dude. They hate us. But now now I'm just uh I'm I'm just so happy, man. I really am. Uh, and like you said, it's just going to be. Uh, it's not. This still doesn't feel real until I actually see him in the jersey and hitting a step back. It, it won't. It won't feel real. And uh, I I don't know what I'm going to feel. I'll probably start crying because I. That's just how. <laughs> that, that's just how I do it. But uh, yeah, that's that's probably wraps it up for us here today on the uh, old hot take hotbox team. Thank you for joining me. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I'm, I'm sure you'll be on soon just to talk about all this and uh, we'll probably do another, we'll probably be on before the draft. We'll probably do another mock draft where we just have to shit on Drake London for another 20 minutes just because. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a pleasure. I'll create my own mock draft. Yo, how, how about it? I'm, I think I'm, you know, by that time I'm going to have my own as well. So we'll, we'll just sit here and compare mock drafts and we'll, we'll argue about <laughs> it. All right, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, you got it.